What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kind of Neat. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week. We have my very good friend and confidant, Greaves, on the show, and uh, it was fun. I'll tell you about the story of that in a little, in a, just a little bit. First things first, follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. New Pompadour, it's standing high. I'm looking at it, it's the the it's very high and tight. It's kind of teasing him a little bit about it, but it's growing on me already. I'm feeling it. He's you know he's experimenting, and that's all you can ask for. Follow us as a unit at That's Kind of Neat. I know we've been saying this forever, but goddamn it, we're so close to breaking a thousand. It's just lingering right there, and we can't get past it. I need to tweet more on that account. I feel like I always say, oh, just follow us. I don't tweet that much. I'm saying like I'm gonna start putting some motherfucking good tweets on that shit. I'm gonna stop saving them for my It's Intuition account, and I'll put them on That's Kind of Neat. Go to YouTube.com/slash That's Kind of Neat where you can watch the video that Mark and I did last week called Weight Is Gone. You can see herbal tea you can see the old classics like kitty and wax and parker and kyle kyle's girl girls 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 crazy growth it's growing so much it's now the third highest it's actually at the time of this podcast probably the second highest video and it might end up being the number one so shout out to kyle killing it out there we didn't have a performance with greaves this week and i'm going to get into that it's because we caught him in the like the two hour window that he had in los angeles where he's not performing because i've been bugging ben to get on the show forever because i love his story um after touring with him for uh, a couple weeks um in 2012 i learned all this shit about him that i had never really knew even though we'd done a podcast in the past it was kind of a different style of podcast that I was doing back then that was a little more surface level and after getting to know him he has this amazing story and um, just has taken advantage of a lot of great opportunities that were presented to him and I thought it was really interesting so I've been wanting to get him on the podcast forever thankfully I'm pretty good friends with this tour manager and so we were able to like kind of work it out but we didn't have time to get a performance with the full band, but also in order to get it at the studio, I would have had to like pick him up at the Roxy, drive him back to Cosmic Zoo, then drive him back to the Roxy in time for sound check. And it was all seeming kind of crazy when fate kind of kicked in. And um, this morning I woke up and I had all this shit to do because tomorrow I leave for Cleveland for a photo shoot. And so I had all this shit to do because yesterday I forced myself to take a day off. So I've been sitting in my house for the last two weeks, pretty much, not going anywhere except for the post office and the gym. My house has essentially become a warehouse where I've just been shipping. And so every morning I wake up, I fill out all the new orders, I pack them all, I take them to the post office, I come back. Thankfully, the post office is next door to me. Go to the gym, come home and do some interneting and keep trying to promote and push the record. So yesterday, my friend Dom, who I always talk about, who I am uh, actually going to Cleveland with as well, was like, yo, man, I'm letting the kids skip school tomorrow. We're going to the beach because it's going to be like 90 degrees. You should come down. That's fucking hour and a half drive. But I was like, you know what? I owe this to myself. I should take a little fucking vacation day. So I drove down to Oceanside, went to the beach. My back got sunburned as shit. I drove home last night in preparation of like having to pick up gear for the photo shoot, do this podcast, go to the gym, et cetera, et cetera. So I woke up early, did all that. And then I checked the calendar and I went, oh, shit. I've been so distracted with everything else that I forgot to check the Cosmic Zoo calendar, and it turns out there was a recording session there today. So I'm panicking, going, fuck, I have this thing with Greaves, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I call Ben, and I'm like, fuck, how can we do this mobile? And Ben's like, oh, my computer's fried, dude. Like, we can't do, my laptop is no good right now, so we can't do an hour live or hour um, recording mobile. And I said, fuck. 
I'm like, all right, cool. Let me call Greaves. So I call Greaves up and I'm like, hey, man, I know that you kind of travel with a lot of tech nerd shit and like you probably record on the road and stuff. Like, did your computer have like a Pro Tools setup where we could record the podcast? He goes, I don't have Pro Tools, but I do have Reason and we can do it in Reason. And he's like, and I happen to have some shotgun mics so we wouldn't even have to use Sure 58s. And I'm like, Greaves, that's amazing. So we set up his two shotgun mics in the green room and, uh, got to it we set it up and so it might not sound the same but it probably is still going to sound good because of course my ben ben shim always makes the shit sound buttery so you know it might not sound as crazy as the usual ones or it might sound a little different but i'm sure he's going to make it sound amazing and that was the situation so we sat in this fucking steamy green room and talked about greaves life and it was uh, it was great and right as we got to the kind of the peak of the story my buddy colin came in and said hey it's time to sound check so we closed it up in five minutes and i think it was i think that it was a great podcast i had a lot of time a lot of fun talking to him and that was the crazy story behind this one which in turn became our first mobile podcast and it just goes to show that uh Regardless of what happens, you got to be a problem solver and not a quitter. Because this morning at about 10.30 when I found out the studio was booked, my first reaction was, oh, fuck, how do I fix this? Not, oh, fuck, I can't do this. You know, I think we kind of talk about that in the podcast a little bit, too. Like, you just got to have some stick to in everything you do. You know, the longer that you stick to something and the harder you work, the luckier you get. So, anyhow, blah, blah, blah. That's my moral for the day. Hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast and uh, remember to download the podcast app, search for Kind of Neat and subscribe, leave ratings and comments because uh, the more that you do that, the more of a chance we might get to like the new and noteworthy section or the front page of iTunes or something. You know, So do that. Help us. Help us help you. Help us keep bringing this podcast to you. And um, look out for next week. We have a really cool guest and a cool performance that I'm excited about. So... Without further ado, here is my conversation with my homeboy, Greaves. That's your first time headlining in Europe? First time headlining, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there before. But yeah. In what context were you over there before with who? I've never been to Europe without Brother Ali. Oh, really? <laughs> I've been there like four times with Brother Ali. That's the Euro hookup? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because we did a Rhyme Sayers one too, but Brother Ali was there. And then I did two runs with Brother Ali over there. And then my fourth time, I, I went dolo. Nice. And I've done some festivals out there. Yeah. But it went good. It went good. It went really good. I mean, he, we never did more than 200 people or whatever. Like Paris was probably our biggest thing. And I think we did like 175 or something like mm-hmm. that. But, um, it just felt so good to play in front of like to cross an ocean and see like people come out and see him sing the songs. You're like, whoa, this is actually really happening right yeah, now. Yeah, that's crazy. Particularly when English is not their first language. That no, is, that is it, quite the phenomenon. Dude, we were in Germany and uh, I do the, you know, burn it down yeah. thing. And uh, I was like, can you say burn, can you say burn it down? Yeah. And this girl is in the front row and she's dancing like a, I, I compare it to like a baby giraffe on a frozen pond. Okay. Like, you know, like That's Bambi cool. yeah. or whatever, oh, yeah, but yeah. way lankier, so yeah. like a giraffe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, I can see burn it down. And I was like, all right. And I put the mic in her face, and she's like, fuck it down. <laughs> Fuck it down! I'm like, that's not that's not what I was asking. But all right. And then you sh- you should have asked her to say squirrel. Germans have a problem with squirrel. 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 We played fucking Hamburg, and you can buy sex at the McDonald's for thirty nine euros. <laughs> Shut the fuck. Yeah, you can, dude. No. They have a they have a separate menu, and it's like when you walk up to the McDonald's, there's the golden arches on the front. 
And then there's pictures of prostitutes all over the like like giant. Don't make me Google this, man. No, no, I believe you. <laughs> well, do you know why they call it a fucking Royale with cheese, though? Because you the can get your <laughs> asshole licked. <laughs> it's like the golden arches and the golden butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. They got little nipples on the top of the arches. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been a touring musician now? It seems like a long time. Um, I went on tour with um, Atmosphere, I'd say, in 2007. And then after that, my manager made me quit my job. So I guess that's like the official. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've been touring since 2004, like back with like Type and those dudes. We used to just book shows off of MySpace and shit. Mm -hmm. Dude, I played the Bunny Ranch in carson city you know that hbo whorehouse yeah i played that place like back in 2006 or something like that because like the dude that that like found prostitutes for dennis huff was like super into this like really emotional song that i made called composure really and he had just gotten out of jail his name was guilty one and he's the shit yeah but he's like hey man i'm really feeling that composure song i want to bring you out to do a show in nevada and so we went and we went to Carson City and we stayed at the Bunny Ranch. He's we like, you our, get paid with anal sex. Yeah, you get a, you get fuck prostitutes in the ass. <laughs> we, no, we didn't get the tokens. We didn't get free sex. Mm. But we played and they sent us to the club with um, a prostitute as a date so that we looked like like we were balling and shit. Yeah, it was. Well, how many amazing. people were at that show? Was it all just like middle aged prostitutes? Dude, it was pretty thugged out. Like a dude got stabbed in the parking lot. Really? And, yeah. They were not. They didn't want us there. But, wow. <laughs> but the Bunny Ranch did. So we did. We did that twice. We stayed at the Bunny Ranch. We got our own private bungalow in the back and shit. Yeah. The second time you got brought out by Guilty Two. Guilty oh, come Two. On. <laughs> come on. Come on. Give it to me. You have a pretty interesting history. I feel like you're the perfect like outlier in all of this shit because you've had some amazing opportunities that you've been able to take advantage of I feel like because it's like a combination thing of where opportunities need to be presented but also you have to be smart enough to take advantage of them and I think that you've done both of those and yeah. so I, that's why I've been so hungry to have you on the podcast because not, well, not only are you my buddy and I like you but also I think <laughs> you've got an interesting story where, where are you from originally? Uh, I mean like originally originally I'm from Chicago. So that's where you were born at right? That's where I was born. Right. Well I guess I was born in Waukegan but. Where's that? That's in Illinois? Yeah it's like outside of Chicago but okay. uh, it's where Jaybird from Rhymesayers is from. No shit. You yeah. know, one of the first people I ever like interviewed was Jaybird for a class assignment. Really? I had this marketing class and it was at photo school and I was like, uh, I was probably like twenty, maybe. Was he a dick? He was mad cool, dude. Really? Yeah. They <laughs> nice. were like, they were like, we want you to call somebody that you respect their um, work and their business ethic and like interview them. And I was like, everybody else, of course, had a photo school called photographers. And I was like, I want to call the dude who's like the operating officer of fucking rhyme sayers. Yeah. So I talked to him for like an hour on the phone. It was really cool. Nice. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So you're born in Waukegan. Yeah. And I then what so. happens? Uh, I, I got adopted. Tell me like the situation like with your, with the, like your birth mother like do you did you what no. happened with it you never have you met i her? don't know no I, I don't i mean i don't even know like medical history or anything like nothing that. nothing like that yeah it's pretty much like all a, a myth really so, a, you, so i'm you're, a legend so you're just born into a hospital and there's like a family like I'm did you like jesus did you have to go to did you have to go into a foster care or anything like that no it was like a it was pre-arranged oh, so okay. you okay. know that's why i just say chicago because i spent probably a matter of minutes in waukegan okay and then so you, the family that adopted you was living in Chicago at the time? Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, 
Yeah, and then we lived in Evanston, which is just just north of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I lived there till fifth grade. The family that adopted you are they a family that adopt a lot of kids? Like, yeah, is they, that what happened? They adopted three of us. Three of you guys. Yeah. And was it all where like they had met the woman carrying the baby? And, I don't and think did so. No, you were like a special no. case that way. No, well, all, all my sisters, we all. So the state of Illinois has like a. It wasn't like an open adoption, so my parents didn't know who. Mm. who they weren't in contact me. with her no they, they went through an agency like an adoption agency and then um we're not allowed to contact the birth parents until we're 21 years old but they're allowed to contact you at any time legally yeah at any time but you can't reach out until you're 21 and so she's never reached out She's never reached out. Both my sister's parents did, and it's been like pretty negative. Really? So was that like a thing that has detracted you from trying to reach out? Well, and it's like I don't know the circumstances in which I came to be. Like, yeah, it could have just been like, oh, I can't afford this, or I could have been like a rape a baby or oh, something shit. crazy. Like, you yeah. don't know what kind of pain that might bring back to somebody. Right. Right. So it's like. You know, it's the same shit. Like, it's out of the way. It's over. Like, yeah. let's not. So, I mean, is it something that you think about, or is it kind of out of sight, out of mind? It's, I really think that other people think about it more than I do. Yeah. Because I've known about it my whole life. Because here I am, the asshole bringing it up. Oh, my girls, all the time, my girls like, we should try to find her. And I'm yeah. like, I think that's, ro- like, you romanticize that more yeah. than I do. Cause... Well, you know, uh, you know Wax, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so Wax is also adopted, and... uh him and his brother are identical twins that were adopted and they never had the desire to really reach out into their birth but they parents. Were, they were together. They were right? born and kept together. Yeah. Okay, cool. yeah. So they got adopted by the same family uh, but they never really had the desire to reach out to their biological parents until Wax's brother had a had a, a baby and they're like, okay, we should figure out like our genetics and shit, you know? Yeah. So Wax had a nephew, they find their biological parents and it actually turned out to be a very positive thing. You know well, that's I mean? good. It's and nice. It, yeah. It's possible too. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm thinking... You know, it's not really right necessary. now. It's not where you're at in your life. It's not really necessary. Like, there's been like a few medical things that came up, but like, it just took a little time to figure out. Right. And like, to yeah. be honest, like, can I find both of them? Yeah. Like, is, right, is right. one of them gonna fix that? Like, right. So I don't. Yeah. I don't know. So your family that brought you in, though, like everything cool with them you yeah they're saints them. man yeah, i mean they took awesome. three strange children <laughs> into yeah. their home and raised them as their own are so. you the youngest that they brought in i'm the middle you're the so middle i got two sisters on each side older sister younger sister i actually saw my little sister last night in san francisco she lives up there, there. what yeah. she do she i think is not working right now but she was working at a coffee shop nice she's kind of hippied out yeah what's that dynamic like like do you just and I only, and I know that I'm bringing this up and fucking like really stepping on it a bunch, <laughs> but it's like I just am curious. Like, is it like that? That is like your sister. That's how you look at it. Like, that's my sister. Like, yeah. I'm going to be in contact with her forever, regardless. Like, that's my sister. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've known we've known our situation since we yeah. could comprehend speech. Oh, so they told parent. you immediately? Immediately, yeah, like, yeah. Not like they didn't wait until like you know we were in junior high or something. We were right. Like, okay, so you know about the it, it was just like from the second we could understand yeah. human beings. Right. We knew what it was. So it, it's not like, 
we were never pulling shit like you're not my real mom right right i'm sure that's such a common question of like oh did you ever rebel because they weren't your biological parents no i did have one because i had one um friend in high school who like had to do the whole orphanage thing as a child and like dude he was a hellion once he got adopted because it was kind of like man fuck you i'm gonna do what you what i want you know because he was basically like being in an orphanage like being in fucking juvie you know it is like being a juvie sometimes it's fucking worse yeah for sure so he like got through all that and then was just like the biggest weed dealer at our school and stuff <laughs> which is funny okay so you moved to evanston is that what you said where's that yeah it's just north of the city like it's it's like uh of chicago yeah consider it like a burb so you're in the midwest for most of the time at, until you're like what seven eight fifth grade fifth grade yeah and then where do you guys go uh colorado fort collins colorado yeah as even as a little as a youth like did you take to music as a kid yeah well you know it was like it was Yes, but not. I didn't really take to it as playing, right? But music. like listening or pa- more passionate than other people. Oh yeah, I used to sit by my dad's like speakers with the headphones on by the yeah. turntable, oh, you yeah. know, and just like sit oh, cross-legged yeah. in front of like listening to the records and stuff like that. Yeah, I was the same way. But uh, you know, and and pretty much all the music that I had as a kid, it was my dad's music. Like, right. I didn't actually buy my own music until Green Day Dookie came out. Wow, that's, that's a good first record. As as right yeah. in the beginning of my like coming into my own as purchasing well. yeah things. yeah yeah it was a huge fucking record when it, it was a huge tape when it came out it was it, well i bought that offspring smash and aerosmith get a grip in the same day right around that so. same time i also i bought those two tapes and then also um keith murray's the most beautiful oh, nice thing. yes hell yes yeah i remember i actually walked out of the store with offspring smash and keith murray most beautiful thing and they're like that guy it wasn't a story it was at a it was at a, <laughs> it was at a youth center dance actually i won them in a dance competition oh no shit yeah uh, <laughs> which is amazing um, wait did you dance oh yeah you killed it and you won that well yeah yeah i may have told this story before on the podcast but back when i was like in elementary it was like around sixth grade sixth or seventh grade it was like at the youth center they would have dance competitions or they'd have friday night dances and then you know the dance competitions most people were like scared to enter them but i would just enter because i knew no one else was going to and then i would kind of just like do the crisscross dance where you lift one leg yeah, at a yeah, time yeah, you yeah. know what i'm saying and i would win that way and so i'd win, win tapes <laughs> Yeah. How many times did you win the dance competition? They're like, here's this fucking kid. I with won the so many again. competitions there with, with either dancing or like um, trivia, like music trivia. I would like kill at that too. Like I would win so many fucking records that way or like tapes that way. It was no tight. shit. Yeah, yeah. But um, so was your mom uh, musical too? Like was she into music or was it just mainly dad was like had it a huge collection? Mainly dad. My mom had like an auto harp playing around and she said that she played it, but I never saw her pick that thing up. Yeah. So did dad play as well? My dad had, yeah, like guitars. He played guitar his grandfather was a piano or my grandfather his father was a piano player mm. but had to leave germany because of the holocaust right because you the adoptive family jewish. that picture up is jewish yeah right 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 so they fled they fled wow. germany and wow. escaped the holocaust and um he kind of you know he had to give up playing the piano and he ran a grocery store instead but we had uh this is kind of dark but my mother was in a plane accident when she was 16 a plane accident yeah wow. uh, at midway airport in chicago uh-huh. uh, the plane hit a billboard and what? her mom died wow on the seat next to her wow and so so they had just taken off or were I they about they to were land? landing oh wow yeah Holy and, shit. Um, so my mom lost her mom you know when she was like a teenager yeah and then her dad married this woman with like eight kids from the church wow and so my mom kind of was not down for it and kind of rebelled against all that yeah and we 
she kept her mother's piano, which was like this giant grand piano. Yeah. So she lugged it with her everywhere that she and went. And so that was in the house you grew up in. Yeah. Wow. So we had that giant piano. So when my opa would come by, he would just, you know, that was a treat for him because yeah. it was a giant, beautiful piano that he got to play. And right. it got no play in our house because nobody played the piano. It was yeah. just, an, you know, it was a sentimental thing for my mom. And so what it really was for us was a fortress because we would play underneath it and we right. would like set blankets yeah, over it yeah, and like build a all, fort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used but to when you would see there. him play, was it kind of like light bulbs going off in your head a little bit, or what? Well, like, we used to ooh, just I want to lay under there when he played, yeah. and you can, you know, all the resonance. You could just yep. like feel it in your body, especially as like a kid. So we just lay on the carpet underneath it mm-hmm. while he would play, mm-hmm. and you could like feel it through the wood. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, shit. That was my whole entire youth, pretty much. Yeah, that sounds up. like a very vibrant memory. It is. Yeah, yeah. that's dope. Because we had a small living room, so everything went under that piano, like all the little toy chests and shit you know mm-hmm. and there's three of us and two girls so there's like like laundry baskets full of ponies and shit yeah, like that yeah. so how much were your sisters dressing you up and making you have tea parties i would like to say not often but i don't really <laughs> remember so <laughs> i'm gonna say never yeah did either of them take to music at all as well like it, may, no. it, it makes you wonder about the whole nature versus nurture thing no no they didn't um I mean, my sister, my little sister likes music. I don't know what the fuck my older sister's into other than meth, so. Oh, that's sad. It happens, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it does, it, it, it does. It definitely happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is Colorado a methy place? Or what? It's pretty methy. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of heroin-y now, too. Is it? And it's weird, because when heroin finds its place into a small, or when it finds its way into a small place like that, it really fucks it's people It's destructive. Up because there's no history of it there, so there's no... Like, it takes people a while to catch on to what's happening. It takes a couple people dying yeah. for people to catch on to what's right, happening. Right, right. Like, so, oh, wait, why are these kids overdosing? From it's these? wiping kids out. Mm. It sucks. That's but, terrible. Yeah, we deal with a lot of heroin in L.A. It's a sad thing, dude. Uh, yeah, not shit. Bad. Seattle. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah, true. The hometown of fucking heroin. No, yeah, we I, made Strung Out look chic. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, as a kid in Evanston, like, what, what did you take to other than music? I don't know. Like I tried to play sports. I, I never really liked sports. I just yeah. it was a good way to get off the block. Like because because you didn't want to be caught in the trap. Yeah. Well, I wasn't <laughs> allowed to leave. We didn't live in the best neighborhood, yeah. so my parents weren't like pumped on me like hopping on my bike and riding away. Right. So it was a good way for me to like get out of the off the street mm-hmm. that we lived on and go like to a goddamn park or yeah. hang out with other what kids. What sports? Soccer? Baseball? Baseball. Yeah. yeah the, the classic American boy Of sport. course. Of course. Um, but I pretty much just, all it was was sitting on a bench with a nut cup on <laughs> for me. Also just sweating out of my little nuts <laughs> yeah, yeah, <for laughs> into sure. that fucking cup. Yeah. So when you guys move from Evanston and when you're in fifth grade or whatever and into Colorado, like what? Well, then I was was allowed to leave the block, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, what made you guys relocate? Uh, My dad worked for Teledyne. You know, they make the the electric toothbrushes and the shower heads and shit. So my dad taught dentistry at Loyola and then was working on their quality control for their products at Teledyne. And they moved us out there. And then in turn became like one of the lead researchers in female masturbatory products by accident. Oh, because of those shower heads? <laughs> or if you got a really <laughs> or gnarly vagina, you could use one of those water picks. Oh, yeah. That are supposed to be like water floss. Oh. You could just. If those don't tickle my butthole, I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> so so things are going well and he moves to Colorado. Is that what happens? Or, or he just gets re like, well, yeah, they move us out there. Yeah. Then they lay him off. Oh, uh, like after like a year that we get there. No shit. So he's like, all right, we're packing it up. We're going back. And this it, is, you moved to Boulder. I moved to Fort Collins. Fort Collins. Oh yeah. Fort Collins. I knew that. It kind of similar towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I first moved there, I was kind of like, I went to, I went to, and when I lived in Evanston, I went to a place called Martin Luther King lab school. Mm. And then I went to Colorado where there's not a fucking black person in sight, Mm -hmm. like at all. And I felt confused and I was really out of place Mm -hmm. and everything seemed like, like fake. So in Evanston, you were, you you were kind of the minority a little bit or a little bit. I mean, it, the neighborhood, like the part of the neighborhood that I lived in was like actually all right. And then the school was not so hot. And there was like a lot of fighting for me growing right, up, right. or it was a lot of getting my ass whooped, is what, <laughs> what oh, it was. Okay, yeah. And then, and then I moved to Colorado, and it was just like it's all it, white folks. It felt like a fucking movie, like yeah. a Disney movie. And you know? so, are you like the tough kid in town that had just come from a bad neighborhood now? Or well, no, I was confused. So yeah. I felt like you know how like when you take a dog and you put it like somewhere else out of its surrounding, gets a little defensive. Yeah, yeah. That's how I was when I first got there because I it didn't feel real. So it's right. like yeah, I was fucking around a little bit and. And I I think it was actually worse for my sister because she was older than me. So I think that's how she got into all the shit that she got into. Right, right. You know, yeah, I was I was fighting and picking fights with kids just to see, like, is this real? Are you real? Is this real, motherfucker? Right. right. And uh, well, that's a very like formative time of your childhood to have to move too. Like that's where you're really coming into your own, and so to have to kind of start over during that time must make things that much more. Yeah, you're starting to learn the social stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it was it was cool. I I remember when we pulled up, the moving truck pulled up. We were staying at the hotel, and we get to the house, and the neighbors come out of the house with like cookies and shit, and they come walking across the street, and I was like, it is like a movie. It's like a movie, and then the kids roll up with a bike. And they're like, hey, do you want to go to the pool? And I was like, you guys have a pool? Yeah. And they're like, no, the neighborhood has a pool. Whoa. I was like, the motherfucking neighborhood has a pool? That's tight. And I was like, where is it? I didn't see it. And they're like, oh, it's like a, like a mile away. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I can't go. Yeah. I'm not allowed off the block. Yeah, I'm not allowed. To, I, I can't go. Yeah. Because there's like a lake behind their house. And I was like, is that what you're talking about? They're like, no, it's like a pool with like diving boards and like popsicles and shit. Yeah. Okay, and my parents are like, "No, you can go." Yeah, and so they pull our bikes out of the moving truck, and I'm just sitting there like, I don't, I actually don't know what to do with all yeah. this freedom. Yeah, so that freedom was like, yeah, kind of pushing back a little bit, right? Being like, is, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Can I do this? Right, right. <laughs> but you're only there for a year before the rug gets pulled under, or what? Well, yeah, and so I would just started to acclimate. Like yeah. after a year, I was like, I think I actually kind of like it here, uh-huh. and I'd never done any like outdoorsy stuff living in Chicago, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. But then it was like, hey, do you want to go skiing? And it's like, skiing was a rush. And it was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know? Yeah. And uh, so there's things, you know, I was meeting friends quicker. And my manager, Matt, yeah. I met him in fifth grade playing Pogs. That's where you met him at, yeah. Yeah, and he's downstairs right now. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, So he was like one of my first friends when I moved to Fort Collins. Yeah. And uh, I guess it just felt weird. My mom really wanted to go because she is, just has this romantic relationship with Chicago. She loves it. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't think any of us wanted to go. And yeah. so my dad just G'd up and he took a he took a job in Denver uh-huh. probably when I was, I think it was like seventh grade. So uh-huh. maybe we were there for two years. Yeah. He G'd up, he took the job in Denver, and he's been commuting to Denver ever since I was in seventh grade, which is about an hour and a half drive to and from every day. Oh, so, so a three hour commute. Total. So the house is still in Fort Collins, but he was driving to Denver every day. Every single day. Wow. And he's been doing that for 
shit since I was in seventh grade. Still, he still doing does it. it. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got to be retiring pretty soon, huh? He won't do it. He's, he's not gonna retire. Seventy. No shit. My dad is old balls. I was gonna say we had dinner with your dad uh, um, at yeah. that Thai place in fucking Denver. Co- yeah, in Denver. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he does. He doesn't look. He doesn't look like a. He should still be working. He, <laughs> Not doesn't, that he, wanna, he doesn't want to stop. And you know his his dad lived to be a hundred and three years old. Holy shit! So my opa lived to be a hundred three years old, and that wow. dude worked until he literally I don't think legally was allowed to work anymore. Wow! And uh, after that, that dude would go to the horse track once a week and eat at McDonald's every day. No and he shit. He lived to fucking 103 years old. See, I'm saying, dude, McDonald's is not that bad for it you. Keeps you alive. I, I feel like McDonald's is, uh, eating McDonald's is similar to like not washing your hands. I think it actually makes it your immune system, <laughs> makes your immune system a little stronger. You feel me? <laughs> so you mentioned that the family that, that you, the, your family is a Jewish. So like, did, yeah. were, was, was religion a big thing with you guys? Like, were you uh, spiritually Jewish or just kind of culturally Jewish? It, it was, it was when we were, um, in Chicago, yeah, it was a big thing, and w- it wasn't a spiritual thing mm-hmm. um, because my dad, my mom's actually not Jewish. My my mom's father was like a like a pastor, mm-hmm. but they decided that they would raise us Jewish because of the history with my grandparents, mm-hmm. and it's such an important thing for us to learn about. And some people actually choose to ignore what happened mm-hmm. there, and I think that they thought that it was really important for us to have that in our lives. Right. So we were raised Jewish. I went to Hebrew school and all bar that Bar mitzvahed and all that? I didn't get bar mitzvahed up because by the time I moved to Colorado, it was so hard to find a temple mm-hmm. or a synagogue in Fort Collins, Colorado. Right, right. Jesus country. Right, you know? right. And uh, there was one, I think it was called Temple Bethlehem, and my dad hated the rabbi because he would change his name every month in the mm. newsletter. He'd be like, it's Rabbi Jack. Now it's Rabbi John. It was rabbi- P. Diddy. Yeah, he hated it. And he's like, this guy's a fucking joke. Yeah. You guys don't have to go here if you want because, you know, this is supposed to be like a cultural thing for you. Yeah. And this guy's an idiot. So yeah. if you don't want to do it, you don't have to because this is like a smoke and mirrors thing. Kind uh-huh. Of, you know? uh-huh. Yeah, you mentioned the neighborhood in Fort Collins. Is that where the family? Still, that's where the family still lives. Same, Same neighborhood house. Yeah, yeah. It's like a pretty nice neighborhood, then, right? Because you said Matt's mom does pretty well. Yeah, she does really well. Yeah. But uh, it's that's the thing about Fort Collins. She also doesn't live like she. Oh, okay. Does, but uh, it's kind of like Pleasantville out there. Like, there's three styles of so neighborhoods yeah. are broke. They have names for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I lived in. Um, Golden Meadows, mm-hmm. and he lived in Warren Landings, and Warren Landings was across this, there's a street called LeMay that separated the two neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and Warren Landings was real nice, mm-hmm. and he had like all the big houses, and then over here you had these three particular kind of houses, and like... Like you, track homes. Yeah, pretty much, and that that's where we live, like I could like... Both of those neighborhoods still sound beautiful, yeah, Golden Meadows. Golden Meadows and Warren Landing, like it sounds heavenly. Dude, every time I go home... This is kind of jumping off track, but I figured you'd appreciate go, go this. Um, there's a sign that says Golden Meadows um, when you pull off that street that divides the two neighborhoods. And it's like a red sign, and it's got a little, like, like slow the fuck down, don't hit this sign kind yeah. of reflector sign in front of it. And uh, I was, like, a little badass kid, and so I got, ta- I got expelled from high school and sent to this, like, managed adolescent care thing with a bunch of little badass kids. And so I didn't get laid for, like, a while. Yeah. And when I got out of this, like, detention center or whatever, I was, like, in my junior year in high school. And, uh, you know, I hadn't seen a fucking vagina or anything like that. And my friends had been, you know, hanging out with all these high school girls and shit. 
And I wasn't like I was like on house arrest and shit like that, so I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. So I got. We're gonna this have freedom. to circle back and go into all of this. Yeah, so I, this is the story could, that will spark that. I off. got this freedom, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, let's go out to dinner. Like, let's go to Quiznos or something with fucking Karen." I was like, "Who's Karen?" And they're like, "Oh, she's so hot. We're all trying to fuck her." I was like, "You guys are trying to fuck girls?" <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit. And so I was like, "All right, whatever." And they're all getting high, and they go to the Quiznos, and I'm sitting behind the driver's seat in the you know in the back and they all get out of the car and start running up to quiznos like high school boys you know fucking fuck you and fucking suck my dick whatever the hell they're talking about and she stays in the car and she locks the doors and she pulls the fucking seat thing and shoots the seat back and traps me in the back seat oh shit and she's like what are you doing and i was like i I was gonna get some quiznos karen was really about that life karen made me her boyfriend more like her bitch yeah Um, she's like hold my belt loop yeah pretty much hold on my pocket fish yeah yeah. so she started like touching my dick and stuff like that (laughs) like you know wait should i have my pants on for this story this is gonna be a little sensual (laughs) not at that moment but she decided you know that she would start touching my dick at times because i've never had my dick touch yeah yeah but she wouldn't fuck me because she had gotten like pregnant. Wow. And she's like, At you know, I'm not, I don't want to have sex because, you know, I got pregnant. It she's was like, like, I'm really very crazy. virile. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a really crazy thing for me or whatever. Yeah. And she ended up fucking me just so I could yeah. be the one. But there you go. She was crazy and she would just like pull over and be like you ever had a blowjob before i'm like no no one has touched my dick like yeah. nothing has ever happened to this dick unless i did it and <laughs> really it's just like like a really short masturbation you know trying to not have my mom hear me in these paper thin walls so no i've never had a blowjob and she only had d- dental picks yeah. water picks shoved up my butt <laughs> <laughs> my dad works for them <laughs> And fucking, you know, she's driving and she's giving me a hand job while she's driving. While she's driving, thank God it wasn't a stick shift. No, it was a it was a fucking Malibu. Like when they started when they remade the Malibu. Oh yeah, and she's jerking me off, and I'm like, oh, like I don't know what's going on. Like just the world is my my head is numb, and she's jacking me off, and I see that my turn's coming up, and I'm like. You gotta fucking turn, you know, and she yeah. dro- she drive like fuck crazy, like she's she like we're, we're hitting me off. Golden Meadows turn. She drives right into the sign, into the shower sign, right into the Golden Meadows. Oh, sign. Oh, into the Golden Meadows and sign. Bent the fucking bent the sign back, and still to this day, it's like bent back. Um, where she ran into it with her Chevy Malibu from your hand job. jacking me Wow. <laughs> so I, heck, I can always see my first hand job when I go home because... That is amazing. Your dick must be a real upper. It just made her drive like well, a crazy after person. that, it's just terrified. It's yeah. It's a very scared penis. Yeah, so now every time you're about to nut, you feel like you're about to run into I'm something. about to you're die. Like, you're like, oh, fuck! I cover my eyes and clench my ass real tight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus! Slow down, Karen, and then I come. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Karen is my mom's name, dude. So to hear you say "slow down, Karen" is so disturbing. <laughs> oh shit! All right, so that whole story fucking sparks off a whole line of questions that I didn't even know about. Like, okay, so when did you start like rebelling and getting in trouble in school? What happened with that? Uh, I don't, man. I, I think I just a product of my environment with my sister. You know, she was older, so. And she was obviously getting into some bad shit. Dude, first time I ever did acid was at the seventh grade dance, and she oh. was, she gave me... Uh, this How much older is she? She's only two years older Oh, than that's me. it. So she was in ninth grade, you were in seventh grade. Yeah, and uh, 
I was, it was my first dance. You know, I was like, I'm going to the dance. Did you win any tapes? I didn't win shit. Oh. But they did take a picture of me, put it in the yearbook when I was just fucking blasted off of acid. They, she yeah. gave me this, it was called Animation Recreation. Uh-huh. And I was so fucked up. Actually, one of the kids that I took it with is coming tonight. His name is Mitch. Nice. And we went to his house, and we took all this acid. We probably shouldn't have taken all of it, but we took it all because we didn't know what it was. She was like, just put this paper in your mouth like an hour before you go to the dance, and you're going to have the best time of your life. I was like, okay. Did she have older friends that you wanted to bang? No, she never brought her friends around, and they were all kind of methed out. They used to Even rob me. Even back then. I got robbed at knife point by one of my sister's friends. Even back was, then in seventh grade, that was that was already like the case? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. She was... Yeah, she's around a bad, bad, bad bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I mean, I was like smoking cigarettes and shit. We used to in fifth grade. We used to they had like this business park behind our school, mm. and we used to hop the fence and break into these cars and steal Doral full flavors. Mm. Like the car, this dude would just leave him in his car. So every day we'd go by there and steal them and smoke them by the lake like a bunch of little dumbasses, a bunch but, of little badasses, so, and you know, bunch of super cool. My kids. sister's like, oh, so you a badass? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, she gave me a little weed, and we're like all smoking weed in like sixth and seventh grade, and then we're tripping acid at seventh grade dances. Does that lead to, as far as like rebellion goes in class, are you just kind of being a smartass class clown? Like, what was it? Well, I got into were it you an too attention early. Seeker? Yeah, I, I no, I was real quiet. Yeah, I was real quiet. I didn't talk to people. Um, since I got into it so early. There's a progression of things, you know, normally starts with weed. It happens a little then, faster when you start that early, probably. Yeah. And, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was selling coke and uh, doing, you know, shit that probably college age kids are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had I had like gone through the phase quicker. And then those people were like, can you get any weed? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You want some heroin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by the time I got to high school, I was on to some more complicated things and they did not like that and so they the caught, school didn't like yeah that. They, so you got caught selling drugs or something or yeah what? they set up like a whole operation wow. and fucking set me up and and i mean i should have gone to jail but i didn't because yeah. i was so young mm-hmm. and so they gave me a chance to get out of it by mm-hmm. going through this thing called drug court and then going to that managed adolescent care place instead of juvie so and that's like a kind of a continuation school or something yeah, yeah. i was there from like 8 a.m to like 6 p.m every day did and you have I, to learn like a trade or something no, no it was it was really full of like little kids i was the oldest person there by far mm. but it was like little kids that like had stabbed somebody or something oh, wow. like that like they're yeah. just like fucked up little kids yeah so like these six graders are like hey bitch give me your money exactly give me your lunch money exactly. you're like there, Come on, there's dude. a lot of like face palming yeah. kids like <laughs> nah <laughs> they ain't yeah, it, dude. yeah and then like little girls that had like been pregnant like yeah. from their first bleed wow. pretty much like yeah so you're getting so they a lot had of 12 like, year old pussy thrown at you dude, a lot of 12 year old pussy yeah, yeah. that's scary dude thank god <laughs> you didn't succumb to the pressures of that and waited well, for karen i the place disgusted me so much yeah i waited for karen my my sweet sweet princess uh, karen we miss you you know i actually finished my first like two years of high school in that place by reading the lesson plan in the book having going home and doing it on your having own. homework sent from the school district and then i would do it and then send it in to a district grader they would grade it and i got my first two year of high school credits that way mm. i was my own high school teacher for two years yeah yeah that's crazy pretty intense was your operation of selling like pretty well organized like do you think that in hindsight maybe it was kind of like a a precursor to the fact that like you kind of have a good business mind because i think like as a rapper you kind of have a good business mind too you know um 
I had ideas, but I didn't get to accomplish them. And I actually thank God for that because, um, cause otherwise you'd be Walter White. right? I'd now. be selling drugs. Yeah, yeah. It was going to work. And it, someone, you know, yeah, it was, it was the, the time that I set up what was going to be like, all right, I'm going to take over all of this. Yeah. It got shut down the second I upped to take over. Right. So, right. Um, so would you say that sometimes the rap game reminds you of the crack game? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, fuck. But maybe not the crack you're thinking about. Uh, what, uh, so at what point do you start rapping when you're in the middle of all this trouble? Because I feel like you had to start rapping while you were in high school. I had a lot of writing. You know, like I would do the high school work, and then I didn't want to talk to those fucking kids. So, so you had I a started, lot of time. had a lot of time. did a lot of writing. What kind of writing? Do, Write, like rap, writing writing raps, raps and shit, writing songs. And What rap were you into? I was, I mean, at that age, Wu-Tang, everything. Like, I had the Wu-Wear pants and Hell shit. Yeah. Like, I was wu oh, yeah. out. I was, I was about it. Yeah, definitely. But I was still, like, I was still coming out of my punk rock phase, so it's like, I was in, like, a Minor Threat t-shirt with a, like, Wu-Wear pants and... Yeah. But it's great because, like, punk rock and, and hip-hop at that time were kind of in, from these similar veins. Like, I mean, they have a lot of, like, similar things that cross paths throughout history, but it was definitely, yeah. it comes from that same adolescent fucking turmoil, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, yeah. Most I definitely. just had to figure out the, like, the lifestyle thing, because both of those genres, like, uh, portrayed, like, this lifestyle. Yeah. And I think as a kid, you're always trying to fit into, like, one of those lifestyles, so you're like, oh, I listen to punk rock. Mm-hmm. I got safety pins in my pants yeah. and all sorts of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But at once... I feel like going to that school, I was like, man, I don't fucking fit in anywhere, clearly, so I can mm. do whatever the fuck I want. Right. So, and I feel like that actually helped me with my music because I don't stick to one side of things. Like, yeah. I just kind of want to do yeah. whatever I want to do at that When you time. got blessed with a very pretty voice. Ooh. Sometimes I just text you out of the blue and tell you that you sing so pretty. Because <laughs> you do. You're a good singer. Well, it took a and long a good time. Room. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, you can tell that you're well-practiced. Yeah. Um, when did the rap start kind of taking off? Like, did you, when you start writing them, like, how do you start making beats? How do you start recording them? I don't know. You started kicking raps, you know, like. To who? To Matt? Like, at, like, parties and shit, you know? Like, you have the, the, my buddy Scotty had, like, turntables. And the dude that actually started getting me to rap, we worked at the grocery store together when I was kicked out of school because I had to have a job was one of my. Were you a stalker or a bagger? I was a bagger. Oh, yeah. In the day. Well, that was my first job, too. stalker because you kind of had to do everything. But we used to just steal cigarettes. Like, mm. they'd be like, go throw the trash out. And I'd go buy all the cigarettes and, like, knock a couple cartons into the trash and take them outside and fucking hide them in a bush and then go get them after. Hell, yeah. <laughs> after my shit. But. Yeah. So I hipped him to my little operation that I had going on with my cigarettes. And so he uh, he was like, you like smoking weed? I was like, I love smoking weed, but I can't because I take three piss tests a week. Holy shit. Yeah, they yeah. were on it. Yeah. And so he's like, well, do you like Wu-Tang? I was like, I love Wu-Tang. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's like, check it out. I rap. And he was like rapping at me. I was like, oh, shit. I rap, but I've never done it to any, you know, yeah, I've never yeah. rapped at anybody yeah. before. So he kind of taught me about like freestyling and shit like that. Uh-huh. And so Scotty was his roommate. And uh, he had these turntables. He fucking ordered them out of the back of the source. Oh, shit. You know, like, that was how we could find them. You yeah, know, they yeah. didn't have a store in Fort Collins. Right, that, right. So he ordered these, like, Newmark belt-driven fucking purple turntables out the back of the source. Yeah. And we waited for him to come. And, you know, we bought a bunch of, like, records with B-side instrumentals and shit. And started recording over instruments. Rapping. Yeah, yeah. And started recording, like, through the DJ mixer into, like, a like a 
like a tape deck. Oh, okay. So, so you guys are even before computers, you were already trying to rap. Yeah, none of us had computers. We, yeah, yeah, that's tight. And so, when do people at your school start catching on? Because I think to this day, you still have a pretty strong following in like the Fort Collins and Denver area. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that they ever did until I left. Okay, because it took. I I had no career until I was in Seattle for some time, mm-hmm. and then when I went back to Colorado, all my friends were like, "Oh." Yeah, that, we'll go to your concert. Yeah. And so, you know, I could put 100 people in a room Yeah, back in Fort Collins without a single fan. I just had friends. Friends, right. And nothing goes on in that town. So when something happens and you know the person there, it's people a show thing. Up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. And then... So what, what took you to Seattle then? Do you actually, like, graduate high school or you, you drop I graduate it? high school. So you get out of the, like, whatever that kind of weird juvie hellhole sounds yeah. like that you were in and you get to go back into, like, gen, gen pop yep. and, like, fucking yep. go to high school? I go to high school. I and that's when you, And that's when Karen gives you the hand job? Yep. Okay. She, yep. It was in a transition period. It was, like, after Mac but before high school. Okay. So then how many years of high school do you get to go to? Two? One? So the high school went by Hexters, so they had six weeks periods or okay. whatever. That sounds very forward thinking. I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, it's the six week periods, and um, so I did a full year, and then the first Hexter the next year because mm-hmm. I had done so much previous work that it just kind of all my credits were done for high school. So I really only had to go to one year, I guess, yeah. of high school, and then yeah. that last. But you year, you also got to be like the um, star football quarterback and the prom king i heard we didn't have any of those things what? because our school was full of all the kids that weren't allowed to go to the public school we had all been uh, kicked out of the public oh, schools wow. and this was still considered a public school but it was yeah. like the last stop so, so that's why karen have... never gave you a blowjob because she like kept a razor in her cheek or what? <laughs> well she didn't go to our school she oh, okay. went to the big school oh, okay, the, okay. the cool school i yeah. i fucked someone outside of our our mm, realm yeah hell yeah because our school was full of like like pregnant gothic chicks or the okay. white girls that uh, dress like the Chola girls, yeah, like with the, yeah. the, the, the black eyebrows. eyeliner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, we weren't allowed to have organized sports because we just fucking fight everyone. Okay. Yeah, so that makes sense. We didn't have that. So you graduate and college wasn't really on the horizon or? College was on the horizon. Where, where'd you go to school? I, well, I went, I went to go to Evergreen. Okay. In Olympia. Okay. And when I got there, I'm doing the walkthrough and my dad's like, I'm going to go take a piss. You talk to this kid, I'll be back. So I'm talking to the guy that's been giving us the tour, and he's like, hey, best part about this school is you don't have to do any homework. You can come up with your own majors, and you can smoke as much weed as you want. What's Evergreen about? That's pretty much it. Right that's a, it's like a liberal arts college? Yeah, or? you can claim, like call your own major. It's a, it is a liberal arts yeah, school. Yeah. And I went to like a liberal high school kind okay. of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that that would be cool because that school actually really helped me. That high school really changed me, and yeah. I wanted to help the world in that way. Uh-huh. So I wanted to go to school to be a teacher. Yeah. And I got there, and I was like, fuck this place because I do need the discipline. Mm-hmm. This guy literally is here because his parents are making him go to college, but he doesn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. So he went to the one where he can smoke weed and yeah. fucking get a degree in smoking weed. You're like, whatever. I don't want a fucking degree in hacky sack. Exactly. Yeah. I really didn't want to. And for my dad... He's an honest man. He's a hardworking dude. Yeah. And he was going to pay for my college because I was the only one of the kids that was going to go. Yeah. And it was like 50K or something like that yeah. a year to go to out of state there. Yeah. And I was like, Dad, I'm going to community college because all those teachers work at the community college. Okay. So if you're going to get the education from one of those teachers, you're going to get the same damn thing at the community college. Right, right. So I went there and I did education for In two Olympia. years. Yeah. Okay. I did two years. Um, and then I got into a pretty hefty debate with the teacher about my love for my high school pretty much was I don't feel like there is, you know, there's three teaching styles and 
that's the way that you have to you have to test out in one of those you right. know i was like fuck that because there's a million ways to reach a person uh-huh. so shouldn't it just be however the job gets done is the best way right right you know and is your favorite way to reach around to, to reach around <laughs> sorry i had to take it to, to press on the prostate yeah. firmly <laughs> sweet <laughs> no so you got in a you got in a debate with with your education teacher about the styles of teaching or something yeah and i realized that it wasn't for me like yeah. i was like i can't i can't convince myself i don't want to test out on something that i don't believe in i don't want to spend all right. this money to to that i don't believe in and then try to find my way back into that path. right right and which is something that like our nation i feel like is going through is gonna it's really gonna like bite our nation in the ass pretty soon as far as like teaching for testing you know what i'm yeah. saying and all that shit like yep. yeah yeah my well, mom, i mean it's already happening yeah yeah you know? oh that's been happening but i feel like eventually that whole system kind of has to crumble because we're so low in the world rankings in education and that's why because we're teaching to try and keep up on the world rankings rather than just fucking educating you know what yeah. i'm saying or yeah anyhow so yeah. you get in a debate with your teacher. And, and I said, fuck it. And then, and, and then what? I moved to Seattle at that point. Are you making music still at this point? I'm making, I'm heavy into the music are at you that gr- point. Are you Greaves at this point? I've been Greaves. How did you become Greaves? Like, where did the name come from? Battle rapping. Battle rapping? Yeah. Who, do, do you have a history in the battle world? I, tr- I thought that was the only way to do it. Yeah, a lot. Of, that was kind of the way to do it at that time. Did, yeah. you, ever, did you ever make the, uh, the trip to Scribble? No, I never did, but I used to watch them all the time. Oh, of I used course. to get the VHSs and of the mail Of course, of course. So, you know, that was like, okay, you got a fucking battle rap. Yeah. I come from a time where I felt like just because we like flew out to Scribble and were there, like we were doing something, you know what I mean? Like I was like, damn, we're out here grinding. We're at Scribble Jam. Oh, you went? I went three fucking times, bro. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It did did so much for me, obviously. (laughs) No, but yeah, I I went a few times. Like I, well, but I was also like around a circle where like my friends were winning, you know what I mean? Like it was really, yeah, like the first year that I went, uh, Immaculate won and that was like a kid that was crashing on my couch at the time, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then the, you know, no can one, it was a homie and fucking a bunch of my friends. One. It was oh, really so weird. you were living in LA at this point. Uh, I was in California. I was in Santa, the, the California. In 2004, yeah. I was in Santa Barbara when Immaculate won. And there was like a little mini battle scene in Santa Barbara. And so, yeah, well, yeah. California has got, it's still like a live, huge here. battle. scene. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I still kind of live circulating in a weird Venn diagram around that world a yeah. little bit. So, um, anyhow, so you're battle rapping kids where in Olympia, uh, no, in Fort Collins. In Fort Collins. Yeah. Who are you battling? Did you ever battle uh, Black Pegasus? Uh, no, I lost before I got to Black P. I lost to a dude named Varsity Bars. Okay. And this one, the one battle that I was in that Black P, but it was at the Aggie in Fort Collins. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, I know my battle rappers. Yeah, and Black Regions. P. He was, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he was the shit. He yeah, was yeah. the one. He was just taking everyone's money at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. But I was I sucked at it, yeah. so I didn't do that. How did how did the name Greaves come to you though? She the lady at the door said I needed a name and I didn't have one, yeah. so I was just walking around. I like took a walk and came yeah. back with that name. Nice, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's perfect. And uh, so yeah, I'm Greaves at this point. I'm in Olympia. I'm rapping. Had you put tapes out? Had you put demos out? Uh, yeah, I tried. Yeah. Um, nothing crazy. I meet this dude at a, at the college. And he's on a record label in Seattle, and yeah. it's big deal. He's Seven Hill, and yeah. So he starts taking me down there. Who was he? His name was Sear, okay, or Searle, okay, um, James Searle. And so I moved to Seattle with him when he was done with college, and we 
get a house together. Uh-huh. Seven Hill defuncts like the second we get to Seattle, so that's yeah. done. But they give us some gear, so we set up, you know, the, the classic closet booth, of course, in our house. And so we're doing that, and I'm real serious about it. He's not so serious. He he was a rapper one day, a beat maker, and then the next day he wanted to be Bukowski. So okay, I, which were you? Were you rapping more or beat making more? Because now you I was both. you juggle both. Yeah, I was always always both. both. Yeah, yeah, because. When I was living in Olympia, how the hell was I going to get beats? Right. So I was just like, fuck it. Got to make I, your own. I bought some Fruity Loops and yeah. started using that shit. Yeah, of course. Figured it out, and they were pretty bad. Yeah. But whatever, it was something to do. And it, it, Did you, you know, ever go back and learn how to play keys? Um, I'm, it's something that I'm actually kind of doing now, because I, I taught myself some stuff, yeah. and I can, I can definitely work my way around a keyboard, Yeah. but I'd like to really work the piano yeah so, yeah and catch, just more catch, theory in general would be great for me catch the ghost of opa you know yeah yeah i sometimes i feel like i hit a wall because i've extended everything that i know yeah and i just feel like i'm reusing it a lot yeah, yeah. so i'd love to get more theory under my belt and right, right i right. think the easiest way for me to do that would be with the piano because uh-huh. i'm already familiar with the instrument um you know i already know the the scales and everything right, like right. that so it, it would be better for me right and it'd be better for my singing too so right right so your roommate what you guys he, stopped getting along or well, something no or? no he just i realized that he didn't care as much as i did so right, he's right. whatever yeah and now he's like a politician or some shit like that right. so he's just he was i'm sure you've noticed this throughout the years but i, I always kind of allude to it that the fact that like uh those of us who have stuck with it this long, it's really just like our stick to that kind yeah. of keeps us around and not, maybe not much else. And it's like the only difference between people that are like kind of slowly getting known or doing it or fucking whatever. And the people that don't is just like people fade away. Like they, they get, they're like, Oh, I want to be a rapper. And then like three years later, they kind of have forgotten about it. And yeah. It's, I don't yeah you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you see, I'm sure you've forgotten more rappers than like, you know what I mean? Like than most people have ever met. I've seen people that were like, one year the most hip hop dude you could ever see yeah. and then the next year they're like you know corporate job like yeah. you know I just realized that wasn't for me yeah for like, sure oh. and I mean I've seen some people like that who like really caught on for like a year you yeah. know what I'm saying like they were huge buzz artists buzzworthy artists and then all of a sudden it's like eh never mind and yeah. like they just go to normal life yeah so many people in and out of my life that respect way. to them though for yeah. being able to take that and to pivot to pivot to taste it and be like yeah it's not for me right exactly because it's a pretty sweet taste when it, it is you dude, know? i'm still chasing i'm it's like cocaine for me where i'm still trying to chase the high of the first show that i had you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. every fucking time i go out i can relate to that yeah you know what i'm sure. saying yeah. uh you're making your beats and then what happens doing yeah. your raps yeah and then just i really just fate kind of stepped in you yeah. know a what was the luck. fate um you know, somehow, you know, I linked up with the Grayskull guys. I had started a studio. Yeah, because um, those guys were big out in Seattle, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, they had started coming through the studio that we had. It was called Robot Room uh-huh. uh, Recordings, and they started coming through, and they were about to go on tour with Atmosphere, and they... Is this like 05, 06? 07. 07. And uh, they didn't have a DJ or, like, a van or anything like that, and so they proposed this thing to me, and... And they're like, look, if you DJ for us and... So let's take a step back. How did you have a van? I just did. Yeah, well, but this is... Because I'd been touring. Okay, so, you know, people always constantly ask me, like, why don't you tour? Why don't you tour? And it doesn't seem monetarily, like, fucking possible for me at this point. Uh, But, like, you are someone who was such an early adopter into the fucking road life that you just saved up money and bought a van, right? Yeah. Like, 
your manager Matt that you've known since fifth grade you guys did he start trying to like manage you pretty like immediately like he saw something in it it was irreversible right he he was that was our first project yeah because I was what year was that shitty things 2006 2007 and so you're on myspace and you're like you're doing pretty good on myspace and he's bringing me out to play this festival that he's booking in colorado he's he's involved in the business side of music already and you know he's always wanted to contribute to music he just doesn't have any musicality right so he's like you know you got the music i got you know the fucking business yeah you know i know about money right i can handle money right right so i'm like okay yeah okay yeah so we do do that yeah he puts up like Man, like, I, I it's crazy to me how much irreversible cost. It was like fifteen hundred dollars or something yeah. like that. You right, know, like, right, right. which was, you know, it seemed like so much then. I was like, right. oh shit, right, right. You gonna give me fifteen hundred dollars? Yeah. And so he puts it down. We get it mixed and mastered, and then we press a thousand copies. Uh-huh. And all my homies were doing five hundred, so I, you know, so I you did, were really doing it. I did a thousand copies, and it was crazy, man. And and then I went on that tour with. Uh, but how did you have a van already? Because we, I'd been booking tours through MySpace with Type for fucking years before then. Yeah. So we would book. What kind of shows were you guys doing? Like house parties? Oh, yeah. Whatever we could get, man. Yeah. So I, I was using a station wagon. And yeah. so I actually rented a van for that tour because I didn't have a van at that point. With Type? No, for the Atmosphere one. Oh, I just, okay. I took so, every last dime that I had. So you rented it? Yeah. So they were like, yo, you can come on tour if you can get us a van. Yeah. And so you rented a van. I was like, fuck it, I'll rent the van. Wow. Yeah. Damn, so you really put some skin in the fucking game. Like, you put your own money in. It was my Hail Mary. You risked it, yeah. I risked it all. And I printed 10,000 demos of Irreversible that just had my five favorite songs off the record. Because uh-huh. I already knew that there's no way in hell I'm going to get people to buy my record. So you just give it to them. So I gave them five songs. Because I still want them to buy the record, but I don't want them to have it or else I'll never sell it. Yeah, yeah. Because at that point... You know, renting the van. Yeah, we printed a thousand records, and then yeah. we did ten thousand demos. So you have the ten thousand demos that are just like in a clear plastic thing or something, yeah, and they're just, just like, like on a, a regular case, a shitty CD, like yeah. with no artwork on it. Nope. And it's that kind of shit that like people hand to you, and you at throw a show, it on the floor. and it's like a, it's like it looks like a flyer, like oh here I'll throw this away for you, sure. But I didn't do that. I didn't stand by the door and be like here, here. You're at a here. booth. I would wear, I would wear like like a bright shirt on stage yeah. i'd wear something that was like you clearly know it was me because i've yeah. been on stage the whole entire night until atmosphere came on because yeah. i dj for gray skull and then i rapped during mac lethal set okay which is part of the deal of them riding in the van right i got to i got some shine on everyone's set if they're in the van right so that was the deal yeah and uh so I would go out by the merch table and I would help Atmosphere's guys sell merch. And they're like, you were the DJ and you can fucking rap. I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would talk to people. Because that was the year they put out 11-11 for Mac Lethal, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I would talk to people and be like, yeah, you know what? Here's some free music. And they're like, what? So I would, I met 10,000 people. I yeah, didn't stand outside yeah, yeah. and hand out 10,000 yeah. demos. Well, right? and you're really, I mean, I've been on the road with you and I've played a bunch of shows with you. Yeah. You guys are fucking amazing at like, creating a rapport and talking to fans it's absolutely that's essential until it's like a security risk for like other people right i I will do that right and so that's something that you were learning at that point already like okay i've got to fucking look this person in the eye and make sure that they want to go home and listen to this five song demo yeah yeah that's great so i did that yeah 
and, and that Hail Mary kind of worked out, obviously, in the long Dude, run. by the time we got off that tour, Irreversible was selling on iTunes. Yeah. We had already been, you know, we were getting requests uh, to, to go on tours, uh-huh. other tours. And yeah, who else was in you up? Well, there was all the Living Legends stuff, and then there was, of course, the Mac Lethal thing, which yeah. I got involved in. Which Can we kind of like briefly summarize what happened with that? Because you were signed to his label for a while, and if you don't want to, you just say no. I wasn't no, signed to anything, because it wasn't even a label. Yeah. It was really just a... It was this idea that you guys probably had or something? No, it was all Mac's thing, yeah. and really what I think the idea was is if he could get a bunch of people together to do the shit that, for him. Yeah. So really it was just kind of like a selfish circle jerk for Mac Lethal. Like it wasn't, there was no contracts. There was no nothing. None of us got paid for anything. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I had to print my own records, pay for my own merch. And by the time, you know, and then they would sell it on their store, but we never got a check back from that. And And I've noticed, I've noticed that's, that's how a lot of like friend labels start is like, oh yeah, yeah. Say you're on our label. And then it's like, okay, cool. Well, you know, here's the cost. And it's like, oh yeah, no, like you you still got to cover that yourself. And it's like, fuck, well then why am I even putting this label? label on the back of the exactly. CD. Exactly. And, yeah. the, and then they're like, well, you know, labels normally don't, they pay out quarterly. And it's like, yeah, I understand that, but labels also pay, pay. you to pay, make these things. Yeah. I paid to make these things. Yeah, yeah. So just give me the money now. Right, right, Because right. it's not your money at all. Right. And so, but they never paid me anything. So they took all that money. Yeah. Have you guys ever, I, I mean, I remember that because I, like, I was like heavy into like the scene at the time and re- reading all the gossip and shit. And I it remember. It was all bullshit, man. There was a lot of like, you know seemingly beef about like when you got signed to rhyme sayers off of black clover like it was drama is that any of that has all that been worked out and is it squashed or whatever? no i don't talk to that dude at all uh-huh. i mean that dude was like sending people to fucking fight me he pulled some super ill shit with my girlfriend and like huh so i don't talk to either one of them if you can figure that one out yeah but yeah yeah it fuck him fuck, uh-huh. like whatever like yeah. he 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 wanted to he wanted to he was trying really hard to hurt my feelings yeah and he couldn't do it for years he found the one thing you win and i you know i hit him up and i was like look whatever and he's like you know we're grown adults like whatever happened between me blah blah, blah it's none of your business i was like what the fuck ever man like yeah you tried you found a way so there you go now just fuck off i don't want to talk to you again like right. this is like whatever like yeah you just said to me so yeah yeah so yeah i well, that's a bummer, man. And that's the, the, I think that's like the toils of fucking business and friendship. It's sometimes it just goes around. Dude, you know? I'm so fucking happy without that kind of like negative bullshit in my life, though. Cause like always wondering about that situation, always stressing out about that situation was really hard on me because I was younger. I was really impressionable, which is why I was listening to that dude. And he knew that I was. So he took advantage of me, mm-hmm. you know? And, we had a little bit of money and we were working really hard and uh i squandered a lot of opportunities because of that because i should have been looking at the rest of the world around me instead of trying to like win the good graces of that dude mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I don't know and this is to be honest this is the most honest i've ever talked about this in yeah public, so well and the thing is i feel like i'm empathetic to that situation because yeah. w- i had something that went awry obviously a couple years ago and it's this kind of feeling like when it's happening like oh fu- it's like this feeling of starting over or something like you get a sick feeling in your stomach like you're fucking you know your love of your life is breaking up with you or some shit or like who's gonna who's gonna stay on my side about this or yeah. who's gonna take oh, his side so that type worried, of shit man. yeah you know what i mean it feels like it can ruin you uh but i'm but well, obviously it did not that's kind of how rhyme came about it had nothing to do with like 
him leaving and me being like, oh, I guess I'll just take your spot over right, there. Which is right. what, I mean, that's what people were assuming because people are idiots. Well, he fed him everything. Yeah, like yeah. he had that little forum and he would control. Oh, right, and, right, right. And yeah, hip hop heads come to their own conclusions, and I stayed Absolutely. silent throughout the whole thing because as you should, because that's the fuck fucking that responsible high thing to school do. Lunchroom right. table bullshit. Exactly. Like, I made my decision, and I'm comfortable with it, and I don't have to explain it to you yeah. because there is no explaining. Like. Mm-hmm. I already told you it's rhyme stairs now. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like it, then you can fuck off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, so how did that come about? It came about because I was, I was in that feeling that you're talking about that kind of just like a rock in my stomach and mm-hmm. you don't you know, want to leave the house, you, you know, know like and fucking- I, I turned down a distribution deal with black over, but they wanted me a uh, Koch wanted me to sign something saying that the checks will go to Black Clover and then they will pay me out. And I was like, no. And Matt's like, I'm not fucking signing that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we walked away from that deal. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, they went nuts. Like, they lost their shit on us. That's when the whole uprise came. And I was like, well, shit, I just walked away from a distribution deal. The dude that I thought believed in me is, like, sending me death threats. Mm. You know, th- this is just all falling apart. Like, I don't know what to do. And so I reached out to a friend that, you know, just for some advice. And he patched me in with Sadiq. He's like, mm. I don't actually really know um, about this stuff. But I do know someone that does. Mm. And so he gave me his, Sadiq's number. and. Mm-hmm. We started talking and, you know, I was asking about like, well, is this something that I can tangibly do by myself? Because um, I, you know, I know Jaybird at this time and I've worked with these guys a lot. I had n- actually never really met Sadiq, so I wasn't familiar, but I knew that he was the dude over there. Mm-hmm. So we're talking and I'm just telling him kind of my frustrations and like, I was kind of like, should I just stop? Is this kind of where I stop now? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he gave me a lot of uh, feedback and towards the end of it, he was just like, uh, why don't I put your records out? Mm. And from that point, it's been Rhyme Stairs, and it will stay yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. Because that dude, you know, he reached out to me in a time where it's like, that was going to be the end. Yeah. And then showed me like a whole new light. And ever since then, they've been reinventing that light for me. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So really briefly, just tell me like, what's up with the new record? How did it? How did it come about? Like, what was the process? Um, you know, I wanted to I wanted to tap into more organic side of yeah. production. Yeah. And, um, You're you handling know, this one all by yourself. Yeah. Well, it would be Lewis yeah. and Budo wanted to do kind of the opposite. He wanted to do more electronic stuff. And yeah. So we took the part. You know, yeah. we we're like, all right. You know, we really sat down to make a song that turned into two albums in three years on the road. Mm-hmm. So neither one of us got to further the things that we were working on when we met each other right it kind of that all got stopped you guys were a couple of solo artists that kind of got involved with each other by we chance. were gonna do one song for yeah. 88 keys and it was guenevieve yeah and it turned into all of 88 keys right so because you, you guys clicked organically and it worked and and, yep. it, and it probably eventually just ran its course and you realized like okay we need to like pursue our own endeavors again yeah and then the live shows happened and budo's like i don't know what to do live yeah. shows and so we just kind of built that thing and it just started happening and when it ended when the smoke settled for from together part yeah we were just kind of like shit we didn't get to do any of the things right, that we right. wanted to do and right. so you know we're like love you let's just do some other shit right so that's what we're doing and yeah um it was great for me man i got to explore a side of music that i i've been really kind of yearning for and i only got a taste for it on this record so i'm pretty hungry for more right what what side of music is that it's really breaking down the music opening it up more like i didn't sample on together apart but like 
could have fooled you a couple times. Yeah. Um, on this one, it's like working with a record producer. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that brings in like string players and you oh, know, wow. all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. Has been, it's just really where I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. It was a good taste for, for, for me. And how has it been feeling touring the record? Great, good? man. The band's I know working it's more, out. The, the band thing's working out. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Opening up the music on stage. Yeah. It's great because I've been playing these songs for years. Yeah. So having the, the, the human error every night yeah. is nice because it's like, oh, you played that differently. Right. But I like that. Right. So I'm going to actually sing it differently. You get to learn that, more about the songs that you've already written. Yeah. 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 That's and great. And you get a time together, you know, because yeah. you can walk down to a note or walk up or change right. chords to right. be. So you can blend songs that, you know, a DJ just can't do. Yep. So it's, I don't know, it's it's cool. That's dope, man. How, long, how much longer are you on the road for, for this run? Uh, Forever? So like August something. So this year is pretty much fucking August 9th. This year is pretty much getting all out of the way yeah. up front. And then what? Are you going to go back in the studio? Then I'm going to go find Karen. <laughs> get That's a perfect back. fucking segue to end it. <laughs> tell the people tell the people where to find you online so that Karen Karen if you can hear this, hit them on Twitter at at Greaves Music. G R E G R I E I before E player. Yeah, yeah. I before E except after C. Yeah. Uh, so Greaves Music, same thing with Facebook, Greaves Music, yeah, you YouTube, on the Instagram, um, just Greaves. Slide in those DMs with a dick pic, no do, big do deal. Dude, hit me up with those dick pics, please. Yeah, I will sure. accept those. Yeah. Snapchat uh, is uh, dickpic at snapchat.com. <laughs> <laughs> Dot Greaves. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you know, this is our first mobile one. It was uh, a lot of fun. We're out yeah, here. Yeah, I'm glad a, it worked out. In a steamy green room. Yeah, it was like last minute we weren't mm. able to do it in the studio. And, and thank God that Greaves is a complete and utter tech nerd and just had he's like oh yeah i have shotgun mics and a reason fucking setup i have everything that you need i'm like well fuck yeah dude mobile studio holler. this is the first time i've got to use my mobile studio so, <laughs> so it's we great just popped its cherry hell yeah, yeah. Uh, i could t- i could taste it uh, that it was that it was just getting popped an eight cents we for should leave things. a dent in the wall like karen did the golden meadows sign <laughs> so every time you come back to the roxy every time you come back to the, the roxy green room you know that this is where i gave you, you know a hand job yeah. with your reason setup but yeah man i'll let you get the sound check thank you so much yeah, man. i appreciate my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you can follow me at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards making the shit sound buttery on Greaves's setup at I Am Database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit at That's Kind of Neat, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. Where unfortunately there will, there will be no Greaves performance today, but maybe next time when you're in LA and you don't have as much to do, we'll do that. We will do that. And then, um, yeah, so youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. Everything wrapped up in a pretty package, kind of neat.net. I'm Lee, that was Ben, Greaves, and this was kind of neat. Yeah.